It's 743. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Chuck Anzalevich. Cutbacks in the U.S. Postal Service as part of Postmaster General Louis DeJoy's 10-year plan may hit the Charleston Sorting Center hard, moving many operations to Pennsylvania. And we're concerned that there could possibly could be one of our members, or if not one, more multiple members uh, could possibly be relocated or moved out of state. That story and more coming up on this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Mon Power has settled a case with consumer groups that will affect households that have rooftop solar panels. Existing customers receive a credit of 11 to 13 cents a kilowatt hour for the power that their solar panels send back to the grid. Mon Power and Potomac Edison proposed to cut that credit in half to 6.6 cents per kilowatt hour. The side settled on a compromise of roughly $0.09 cents a kilowatt hour. The new credit takes effect next year. Existing customers will still receive the higher credit in what's known as net metering. The West Virginia Public Service Commission must still approve the settlement agreement. A bill moving through the House of Delegates would protect the higher net metering credit. The legislature today often ends the week with a reporter roundtable, and we invite a reporter from an outside news organization to get their perspective. Last Friday, Brat McElhinney from West Virginia Metro News joined Randy Yowie and Curtis Tate in the studio to discuss the governor's latest legal trouble and the library obscenity bill, among other things. Yes, here at our Friday Reporters Roundtable is Brad McElhaney with uh, WB Metro News and our energy reporter, Curtis Tate. Gentlemen, let's get right into it. Uh, let's go with some breaking news at first because there are some new developments, I understand, when it comes to one or two of the many lawsuits that Governor Jim Justice is dealing with, Brad. His longtime banker, Carter Bank & Trust, which uh, had a lending relationship with Justice's family companies, has been going after them for $300 million in unresolved debt, personally guaranteed by the justices. Most recently, that has meant an announced auction on the courthouse steps of the Greenbrier Sporting Club, which is a ritzy community alongside the Greenbrier Resort. Uh, many of the properties owned by individual landowners, individual property owners, but Justice owns the overall picture as well as the development company. That was going to be auctioned, but today there was uh, a new development that's going to be delayed at least until April. So anybody who may be affected by that, including the governor, can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. Because, uh, Brad, and I know we've both been kind of following this. Uh, didn't he sue back in, in circuit court in Greenbrier County? There, there is a, a, an, a, a court filing in Greenbrier County, a sliver of that has been a motion for a preliminary injunction. There was going to be a hearing on Tuesday to hold off that auction, but Carter Bank and Trust has agreed that, A, they can't get ready in time for Tuesday to make uh, a coherent argument in court on a complicated situation. A uh, little bit of late notice, and it is complicated. It's not only the governor's property, but it's shared with all those Greenbrier Sporting Club members. So they've said, look, let's just not have the hearing on Tuesday and hold off the, the auction of the property that was going to be March 5th 
hold off at least until April. Well, right. and, well just to say briefly, uh, his companies are also in federal court in, in a, a couple of cases in Virginia, in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, that involve a, a helicopter, a, an offshore a Caribbean company, uh, the U.S. Marshals, and uh, more recently a ski resort near Charlottesville. It just, it's, there's so much going on. It's like, <laughs> your, your whiteboard may be totally filled up. <laughs> right. Um, one bill that uh, went to third reading today in the House that, that, that we've been following was the uh, obscene material bill that the exemption right now for schools and libraries and museums to be exempt from uh, the, the dissemination or showing of, of what might be obscene material uh, passed on third reading. Uh, the arguments here, uh, the biggest argument I hear against this passage says it will go now go to the Senate it hasn't just become law is uh, there are already community standards in place across the uh, West Virginia for local rule that we're already policing this is that what you're hearing too right sure but the obscenity laws in the United States would apply to materials that are purely of prurient interest but that don't have that lack artistic or literary merit and so anything in a library or museum should meet that standard. When there are complaints to libraries, what the librarians will tell you is they review the materials. Uh, they can leave it where it is if they view the materials to be properly placed already. Uh, they can move the materials, maybe say to the adult section uh, or behind, behind harder to get. Uh, or they can remove the materials entirely. So the librarians that I've spoken to and that you've probably spoken to have said, look, there's really no reason to open us up to the potential liability of the state's obscenity laws uh, for potential prosecution, no matter the end result, whether we wind up behind bars or not, uh, to go through the expense and the difficulty and the, the harm to our reputation. Plus, I imagine the Senate will take a look at um, who who would be prosecuted here? It, it just says any adult. I mean, would it be the board members of the library, the people that work there, all of the above? There, there's no definition. Uh, the Democrats press the you just chair Tom Chom fast to uh, to answer that. And he would just say any adult, any adult. You know, and that's so that's really up in the air. And it would be civil liability, right? Criminal. It, it could Crim be no, no, criminal liability. Up to twenty five thousand dollars or right. a up to a five-year prison sentence for your local librarian. And yes, that, that is one of the questions that the librarians has raised, the librarians have raised, is that, that a library is a community location and there are a lot of people with different roles. So would the prosecution come down to the person who put whatever material on the shelves? Would it be to whoever stamped the book and let the kid check it out? That potentially could be up to prosecutorial discretion, but you'd have to trust the prosecutors to use the right judgment. That was Brad McElhinney from the West Virginia Metro News speaking with Randy Owey and Curtis Tate for the legislature today. To hear the rest of that discussion, visit our website and tune in to the legislature today at 6 p.m. Monday through Friday for more discussions. It's 7.50. This is West Virginia Morning. Mostly clear skies and dry weather are expected through Wednesday. High temperatures today will be in the 40s. Lows tonight in the mid-teens to the mid-20s. 
Tomorrow, sunshine with highs in the mid-40s to the mid-50s and more sunny weather on Wednesday with highs in the 50s. Support for West Virginia Public Broadcasting is provided by Dutch Miller Subaru in Charleston. Dutch Miller Automotive is proud to be dedicated to multiple community service initiatives and local charities. More about our team and the Subaru Love Promise at DutchMillerSubaru.com. The United States Postal Service held a public meeting in Charleston on Wednesday. Officials discussed their plans to downsize a local mail processing facility. But union representatives came away from the hearing with questions left unanswered. Now they say their trust in the USPS has only further eroded. Jack Walker has the story. That was Debbie Soretti, Executive Vice President of the American Postal Workers Union. She serves as the union's second highest officer nationally and visited Charleston to speak at the hearing. Intense debate over the facility began late last year. USPS officials had just announced plans to move some local postal operations to Pennsylvania. Union representatives were not happy. And we're concerned that there possibly could be one of our members or if not one more, multiple members uh, could possibly be relocated or moved out of state, uh, you know, ultimately uprooting families and lives. That's Tim Holstein, who serves as vice president of APWU 133, the local chapter of the Postal Workers Union. Holstein and fellow workers fear that reduced operations at the Charleston facility could mean layoffs, transfers, and even longer delivery times for West Virginia residents. Attendance from national USPS and union representatives at Wednesday's hearing reflects an increasing spotlight on the Charleston facility, which serves as West Virginia's only full mail processing center. In 2021, USPS announced a 10-year plan to restructure operations nationally to enhance their current services. But Zaretti said national union representatives see this as something coming at the expense of rural communities specifically. Still, during the hearing, USPS officials denied that any changes to the facility would affect delivery times or mean layoffs for career employees. Here's USPS coordinator Ted Hansen from Wednesday's hearing. It is important to note that business mail entry, post office, station, and branch retail services are not expected to change, and delivery services will be unaffected because of this review. West Virginia Public Broadcasting didn't get to speak with USPS officials directly for the story. But in a written statement, Susan Wright, a USPS spokeswoman, said she understands workers' discomfort over the proposed changes because it's a natural response to change in general. Wright wrote that if the USPS follows through with its proposed changes, only 24 career employees would be affected. She also said these employees would not be laid off outright and that the number could change as plans develop further. Additionally, Wright noted that the plans also come with investments in the facility's equipment and maintenance. But Holstein said local union workers still worry that layoffs for temporary employees would affect people who depend on the facility for their income. 
Plus, he said the need for facility improvements already reflects a strained relationship between local workers and national USPS officials. My question to the Postal Service is, if we're concerned about LED lighting, better bathrooms and break rooms for employees, what have we been doing the last 30 years uh, since that building has been there? Holstein said facility concerns like these have already put union workers on edge. The buildup to the hearing only deepened frustrations because the USPS delayed hosting it until after they released initial findings. The hearing, initially slated for late January, was rescheduled for Valentine's Day, which Holstein said affected turnout. He also said it made workers feel like the USPS didn't care much to listen to the union. They scheduled it for Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, more importantly. And we believe that they did that with the malicious intent to keep the public away from hearing the truth that we are trying to project to them. USPS officials have denied these claims, saying they simply needed more time to complete their findings. But mounting pressure from union employees has only increased attention on the local facility. Last month, state lawmakers expressed support for the union on the Senate floor. And on Thursday, Senator Shelley Moore Capito said she's worried about how the hearing transpired. Well, I mean, I'm very concerned and I've expressed that to the Postmaster General DeJoy. Uh, I'm disappointed that we didn't have that public hearing before they put their findings out. That concerns me. Workers and community members will have a brief window to submit comments over the USPS findings before changes to the Charleston facility are finalized. Holstein hopes people will submit their concerns. But he also said workers don't have faith that the USPS officials are willing to work with the union to develop more community-focused solutions. The problem is the Postal Service has not approached the union in any sort of effort to try to make these changes or to see what we can implement together as one to be productive. They haven't done that. And so until they do such a thing, obviously we look at this as a loss uh, of trust. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Jack Walker in Shepherdstown. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day at our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm Chuck Anzalevich. This has been West Virginia Morning.